Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not to three. Yeah! 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 Hello and welcome to the first It's All Cobblers to Me preview show. I'm Charles and joining me to preview Northampton Town's next game is my podcast partner in crime, Danny Brothers. How are you, Danny? I'm good. All the better after last night, Charles. After we recorded on Wednesday, all the better for that perk of a win. Never in doubt, was it? Never in doubt. No, that second <laughs> half was brilliant, wasn't it? Anyway. Oh, yeah. Just, just sat back and, yeah. Yeah, relaxed. <laughs> didn't, didn't look, Watched didn't it all the way through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was fine, yeah. I mean, you know, dodgy penalties aside and, you know, them having the ball in the back of the net for a dubious foul <sighs> on our goalkeeper. Yeah, we definitely deserve to win it. Yeah. Points. <laughs> all that matters at the end of the day, the points, aren't they, at the moment, so. It's very, Get very that, true, especially uh, when we've leapt up to 16. So that's oh, a good thing as well. Eddie Heights. Almost getting a nosebleed last night. Was. <laughs> calm down. Calm down. It's not like last year. No, We're okay not. where we are. We'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so this Saturday, the Cobblers play their second home game of the week in League One as they face Charlton Athletic at Sixfields. And joining us to give us the inside info on the Addicts is Louis Mendez of the Charlton Live podcast hi louis how are you yeah not too bad charles how's it going 
Yeah, good. Thanks very much. Yeah, uh, we're as you probably heard, we're quite chipper this week because <laughs> we've actually managed to win a game, um, which makes a change for us. I know that you're doing a bit better though, aren't you? So you must be happy anyway. Yeah, we've won two in a row, which to be fair, <laughs> a month ago, I don't think many would have predicted for us. So yeah, Trump fans in a in a very good mood after last night's one uh, 0 win up at Blackpool. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I, you won't know this, but we did a preview podcast at the beginning of the season, and my dark horses for, I, 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 I actually think it might have been to win the league, let alone just get promoted, <laughs> were, were Blackpool. So that will tell you all you need to know about my knowledge of League One football clubs. This is what Lee, Lee Bowyer said last night, that he's convinced that Blackpool are going to be right up there or there or there or thereabouts. And I'm like, Lee, have you looked at the league table? I mean, they are they are not doing very well. Is that just trying to like big up our own win by pretending they're really good or something? But yeah, well, <laughs> you, you and Lee Bowyer are both on the same page. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I think it's one of those things, though, isn't it? Managers do that. You have a win, and and they'll big up the opposition to make your fans feel better about that win, even though you should just be happy anyway. It's it's always one of those those things. It happened to us a lot in League Two for the last season or two. Yeah, I think the Tangerine Barcelona is the phrase he used last night, and I was shocked. <laughs> he, he's gone from like fighting Kieran Dyer to calling Blackpool the Tangerine Barcelona. That's brilliant! <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. So um, Richie Wellens wasn't quite so um, forthcoming in his praise, was he last night? After <laughs> uh, yeah, talking of managers that that like to talk absolute crap he managed to say that they should have won he started off his interview by saying that Swindon should have won uh, or should have scored seven or eight goals then the next paragraph he said well yeah we definitely could have scored what six or seven and then it was four or five by the end of the interview and it was just would like been, okay would have been happy with a nil-nil if he'd gone on another five minutes <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it was like you'd got down there and eventually we would have actually got the result that we did which was a win so there we go <laughs> but yeah uh, lots to talk about really with with yourself Louis with with Charlton not all of it good although I, I don't know how how is it now because there's been an awful lot of stuff going on off the pitch hasn't there over the last what 700 years <laughs> yeah and in fairness i think we, we think it's all come to a head and it's finished now and we're now galloping off in, into the into the sunset everyone's happy as larry because we do have a new owner now a guy called thomas sangard a danish guy came in and bought the club oh, i think you're coming up to about a month ago now uh which saw our transfer embargo lifted which saw players coming in he's bought in a, a new technical director he brought in a new commercial director today as well he's uh everything like i say it carefully because we we did say this when the last takeover happened but everything <laughs> actually seems like it's going to be okay now after you know after four was it five or six years i think it was i'm sounding like richie Wellens now five or six years of, of um <laughs> roland du chatelet uh owning the club and when when he left and and this new group called east street investments came in everyone thought mm. that would be fine um although um a few of us sort of had had our doubts because on on the day that that takeover was announced i had people from different football clubs ringing me and saying oh your new chairman's bad news um and that sort of that 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 came to uh like a, a head uh, just before lockdown actually it gave the, f- the first month of lockdown was very entertaining which was good because obviously we had nothing else to do uh, watching <laughs> our two our owner and our chairman have this massive fallout um but yeah, that and we can go into that more because there's a lot more to talk about. Death threats, stolen vehicles. That's just the that's just the tip of the iceberg. But 
the last month or so, um, Thomas Sangard, like he's come in and he's somehow got around this uh, in, uh, injunction to prevent the sale of the club, to buy the club. Uh, and now everything is rosy. Wow. Okay, fine. Um, first of all, I will, <laughs> I will say that I do remember that at the beginning of lockdown. So going back to sort of March time, Sky Sports News and being almost like transfer deadline day style where a reporter was just outside the valley or the training ground, wherever it is that the offices are. And basically both of the, as you say, it was the owner and the chairman mm. coming out and, and one of them nearly ran over the cameraman, didn't he? Can I shock you, Charles? That reporter was me. That reporter no. was me. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. So, um, as well as hosting the podcast, uh, I do. I, I cover the club for BBC Radio London and for the South London Press, um, uh, like newspaper website. So I, I am. I am officially, unofficially, a journalist as well as a supporter. Um, and that that particular night was a Thursday night, so it it all kicked off at the start of the week, where mm. uh, we're all sat there, I think, on the Monday evening watching TV, and all of a sudden the owner, who only ever communicated through Instagram, <laughs> uh, put some this really strange post in in like really befuddled English, like saying something that appeared to say that he wanted to withdraw from the club, and then he sent this bizarre voice note to. Um, uh, a supporter, just a random supporter, uh, and said, uh, "You need to ask your chairman Matt Southall what he's been spending the money on, uh, and you may have to bleep the next bit." And then he says he's been spending it on the nice flats, nice cars, and bitches. Um, <laughs> that's the one you might want to bleep. Uh, and so, so this bizarre falling out started on on the Monday. Like I say, a few like. Through my reporting and a few other people, we knew that something wasn't quite right with this lot, especially when the transfer window we had in January was a bit of a, uh, a disappointment, to say the least. We didn't sign anyone apart from loans. Um, so we were always at some point expecting something to go wrong. But this exploded like you would never believe. So Matt Southall the next morning, uh, basically Tanoon said on his Instagram on the Monday night that he resigned. Um, Matt Southall put on the Monday, on the Tuesday morning on the club website that he reluctantly accepts his uh, resignation, whilst at the same time berating the Tanoon, the owner, for uh, supposedly saying all these lies about him. Matt's going to get his lawyers on the case, all this. And um, yeah, I mean, this progressed throughout the week. So then, then Tanoon kept leaking all this information about what Matt Southall had spent club money on, including massive um, consultancy fees for himself and his friends and his wife, um, despite the fact he was a paid chairman. So you, you're not a consultant. But um, mm. And then also, we've seen these Range Rovers outside the Valley a few times when we've been there to do our podcast. And it turns out the club, the club had bought those for, or leased those for Matt and his mates. Um, we also leased like, like uh, like one of the best pads in London, <laughs> like we spent we were spending like um like uh, something like twelve twelve and a half grand a month, uh leasing this flat right opposite like London Bridge and the Shard. Like having seen the photos of it, I mean to be fair, if you could, you would. It's like an amazing building, but like we were we were spending more on that than we could on any signings. Like I, we think we were paying more for the flat than we were for Lyle Taylor. But um, <laughs> so all, all this, all this came out. So at the start of the week, when it looked like Tanoon was just pulling out, 
fans were sort of angry with Tanoon and sort of a couple of them sort of fell for Matt's what Matt Southall was saying about Tanoon being a bad guy. Mm. Then as the week progressed and all this stuff came out, like the table sort of turned. I mean, in my view, they were both idiots. Um, but the, so anyway, the first day we were going to do a show, and this was when we, we before lockdown, we we did live shows at the Valley. And mm. uh, so everyone was absolutely buzzing for that show, myself included, because we were we, like, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the craziest show that ever happened. And I'm arriving at the Valley and I got a tip off from and obviously i can't say who uh but a tip off saying right when, when you get to the valley don't go into your studio wait in the car park and i was like why and they said you'll see and i just said is, is it something to do with the police and they said no but because the reason i said is it something to do with the police is because when i was on the bus to the valley like this police car went screaming past i was like oh this is gonna be amazing but, um, <laughs> but anyway I, I turned up at the valley and waited in uh in the car park and i was i the person who had tipped me off said, "Go like you can see the boardroom from the car park at the valley." Mm, and yeah. the person who tipped me off said, "Walk like fifteen yards back and look into the boardroom and see what you can see." And I could see Matt Southall, the chairman, on the phone, along with I think at the time it was a guy called Sean McHugh, who was his finance guy, who by massive coincidence was the finance guy at Bolton when they had massive uh, money troubles, and had previously been a finance previously uh, been a finance guy at Crystal Palace when they had massive money troubles. Um, so anyway, he was like, right, so my person said, wait here. And then I could just see like this car pull up at the end of the uh, car park. And I recognized the person who got out, a member of club staff. So I rung her, I was saying, what's going on? And she said, are you there? I was like, yeah. She said, get your camera out. So I filmed these four cars sweeping into the car park and these members of club staff getting out and some uh, former members of club staff who were used to be part of like the security team, so heavies, basically. And I was told, <laughs> right, we're, we're going in there with this letter from Tanoon's lawyer to get Matt Southall out. And I was told, this will take 15 minutes, um, film it, put it on Twitter, it'll be, like, it'll be big news, then go and do mm. your podcast. So anyway, Matt refused to go and we were stood in that car park for like three hours <laughs> waiting for him to come out. <laughs> Um, and eventually he came out and like you say that that clip I, I asked him a few questions which he refused to answer which ironically mm. actually is considering I am a journalist who covers the club that's the only time I've ever spoke to him face to face because yeah he, he kept promising to come on the podcast he never did which is a shame because I had some good questions for him but um, <laughs> and I mean and at, at that like no one knew what was going to happen next but the ironic thing was the lawyer who turned up with that letter was a man called Chris Farnell, former lawyer at Berry when they went under, then tried to <laughs> take over the, uh, and it's a real mess. So he tried to bring in this new guy called Paul Elliott to take over the club. Now it's unclear as to whether that sale ever went through. Um, mm. Basically what we think, my theory is Chris Farnell was acting for Tanoon. He had previously acted years ago for Matt Southall who never paid him. So he hated him. So he wanted him to get screwed over. Tanoon was just far away and had no idea what was going on. Farnell suddenly found his mate who was willing to, you know, be like a knight in shining armour and take the club off Tanoon's hands for a pound. Um, but they couldn't pass the EFL test. And there's this whole thing about whether the sale had actually gone through or not. Yeah. And, and when Thomas Sangar turned up and it sounded like he's willing to pay a couple of million for the, for the club that they bought for a pound, all of a sudden Tanoon's like, actually, I still own it. You can pay it to me which is how we ended up in this courtroom battle um, <laughs> where basically Paul Elliott tried to get an injunction to prevent Tanoon selling the club 
to anyone, but to Thomas in particular. Um, we were at QPR where, when AFC Wimbledon uh, were playing there as a for a like a, well, a friendly, a checker trade game. Uh, yeah. And that came through that there was going to be no injunction. I went over and interviewed Thomas. It was everyone was really happy. And then the next day they got a temporary injunction on appeal. And then a week later they got a full injunction that was going to be in place until November. So still. Um, but somehow Thomas just bought the club anyway. So no, no one really knows how he did that. Apparently the injunction was on the ESI who owned Charlton Athletic, but not actually on the club. So they're like, oh, there's a quite a clear loophole here. So they're just going to buy the club. But I, I've been rambling on for ages. So I should, I, before I let you come back in, I, let's just quickly talk about the hitman, I guess. Um, <laughs> at one point, it was there was a letter going around one Friday night that alleged that Matt Southall had hired a hitman to kill Chris mm. Farnell. Um, obviously, I looked at that and I was like, no, I'm not touching that. But then uh, like, then some Romanian newspaper reported it. So I was like, yes, I can say so-and-so reports this. So then we got the we got the hitman story out there as well. Um, I think that's it. If, if you've got any questions. For the- <laughs> 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 Just couldn't write it, could you? It's, it's mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm a, don't forget this has all come on the back of the Roland du Chatelet ownership, which we what? we all called the the banter era. <laughs> but I think that that banter era is like it's like watching EastEnders now compared to like the absolute comedy <laughs> we've been in over the last the last six or seven months. I, I think literally the only question that I've got for you, Louis, out of all of that is it, it's about the person that tipped you off. I want to know was it Charlton Athletic mascot Sir Valiant? <laughs> nah, nah. weirdly though Sir Valiant freaks me out once on a match day um, by because I, I have no idea who's in Sir Valiant but they came up to me and congratulated me on getting engaged when I did and I was like oh, well, thank you Sir Valiant <laughs> I don't even know who you are I don't know who's in you <laughs> yeah. Jonathan Johansson maybe Oh, oh, I do love JJ. He was back. He was back. He was back like last season, I think, for like a go and stand on the side of the pitch and wave and stuff, and that was a great moment. But yeah, no, I, don't, I don't think he stooped that low. I know he was. I know he was uh, playing at Rangers and I think like coaching there. So I guess the natural the natural step up from there is a mascot in the English yeah, football league. But, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, let's let's go to on the pitch then. Um, because essentially, we just don't have time to go through any more <laughs> of, of all of that. <laughs> we, we've got the overview, and I think we 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 still don't get it. But there we go. At least it didn't happen to us, is what I'll say. Um, <laughs> rather you than me, I think, Louis. I'm sorry. Um, That's so <laughs> on on the pitch, then you're back in League One this season. Um, I mean, what? What happened last year? I mean, obviously there was COVID that interrupted it halfway through and everything like that, but Charlton are a very, very big club for this level. Um, and there was also, obviously, yes, you had the uh, the transfer embargo at the start of the season. I remember seeing, you know, interviews with Lee Bowyer about, you know, the fact that he couldn't sign players, but he wasn't going to walk away from the club and that he obviously still felt there were positives. When, when you kind of, I, I don't know, for me, when I kind of look at the clubs that came down last year, you, you almost sort of look at it and go, well, I remember Middlesbrough being in trouble and then Neil Warnock appeared and saved them. Um, Hull came down almost because of money issues and, and maybe that was the same for Charlton? Or were yeah. you just rubbish? 
<laughs> it's it's probably a, a mixture of three things overall, and I will say our off-field problems are, are a big one. Um, an injury crisis, the likes of which I've never seen, was was the second one. And thirdly, we had the chance to stay up despite those things, and we didn't take it because we were a bit rubbish when we came back from, in particular, the the, the nine games after after the restart. So, you know, when, mm. when we went into to the start of last season, we were still under Roland Duchatelet, who um, very much wanted out and was giving us like the, the lowest budget in the championship by far. Um, the fact that we went up the season before just showed what a good job that Lee Bowyer did, um, along with Steve Gallen, his sort of director of football and head of recruitment, the season before in terms of getting uh, like some very good loans in, you know, and we had a striker in Lyle Taylor who was the, the best in League One by by a long way, who we picked up for free from AFC Wimbledon the year, yeah. that year. So, you know, mm. we, 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 we got up probably against the odds and don't forget, we, we snuck in through the playoffs. You know, I think we deserved it because we finished the season very strongly, but it was it was a good job to get us up there. We started last season on absolute fire and again, we had the lowest budget. We didn't, we made a fair few signings. Again, we were clever in the loan market. We bought in Conor Gallagher, who's playing in the Premier League now. He's on loan from Chelsea. I think he's at West Brom now. Uh, we had some a, a guy called jo- um, Jonathan Lecco, who uh, we had from West Brom. Um, like we, we dealt well, and we got Josh Cullen back from West Ham again. You know, these, these were massive players for us that we got in. You know, on, on loan deals, so we, we did it quite cheap. Um, I'd say. I think we we were second going into the first international breaks. So that's after five or six games. I remember. I think we were unbeaten at that point. And then Lyle Taylor went off to play for Montserrat, his uh, his his national team. And and while he was out there, I think it was during training out there, he he sustained quite a nasty injury that kept him out for fourteen, fifteen games, you know, a long spell. Um, and that just seemed to it, it was like a, a domino effect. Him being injured seemed to rub off on everyone else. It's like, oh, I'm going to be injured as well. And and like we had unbelievable amount of injuries. We had 15 players out at one point, and these aren't like you know 12 of them were out for two weeks. Like it felt like 15 of them were out for months upon months. We were calling back loan players who who were out at my local non-league team, Bromley, uh, you know, in the national league, and another one who was at Ebbsfleet, who I think might even be in National South, and they were playing championship football we were playing you know youngsters who I I mean I I like to think I'm quite switched on when it comes to like the under 23s at least but we were chucking in players from the under 18s who I'd never heard of um, into championship football which is never unfortunately is never going to be sustainable Um, we we still had a dogged spirit about us actually funny I think we went something like 12 games without a win then we got one and then probably went another five or six without one but in that time we tended not to lose by more than one goal like we'd stick in games but we just we just weren't clinical enough and we we often would run out of steam and, and a bit of naivety and and that sort of thing would would step in now when when we you know the 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 covid break came at the perfect time for us you know we we'd, we'd had a little resurgence maybe four or five games before but we just lost a three games in a row we dropped into the bottom three for the first time and we came back we won our first two and we're thinking right we're going to be okay but then we just threw away we threw away chance we got screwed over by some referee decisions but everyone does but we we threw Mm. away chances to win games and it's ironic that Macaulay Bon our our uh, our striker we've now sold to QPR and he actually did quite well you know I think he got 10 goals considering we signed him from non-league the season before in the championship it's not not a bad return but 
in the last nine games, where whereas I think he scored two or three, he also missed some absolute sitters, and and that's a painful thing. Like just one one mistake at Birmingham away where he missed a sitter, and then we conceded in the last minute. You know, cut one of those mistakes out, then we're fine. A game at home against Reading where we had a perfectly valid goal that was on like, ruled out for offside. That that doesn't get ruled out. We win the like we draw the game and we get enough points. There's it's minor things like that, and then even then. On the last day, we went to Leeds and we got absolutely turned over. It was in, like it was impressive, actually, quite how not in that game we were. Leeds were something else, and you know it was a great performance from them. But up until the last ten seconds or so, we were staying up until bloody Barnsley went and scored a last-minute winner at Brentford. If Brentford hadn't bottled it, they'd be in the Premier League. We'd be in the Championship, and everyone'd be happy. But that's the way it goes. <laughs> um. So what about this season then? Now that now that the ownership issue seems to be resolved, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the transfer embargo has been lifted. You, you were able to sign some players. Um, now that that's happened, have your expectations changed or, or were your expectations to jump straight back up into the championship this year? You know, where, where are you sort of at? Uh, does it feel yeah. like you're happy to to be in league one and 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 going for the championship push or how are you how are you feeling yeah it's 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 a tough one to say because I mean I've I've always felt this season was was going to be a struggle even even now with Thomas coming in because because we are so far behind the curve in terms of you know we could we could do the majority of our business once the league one wage cap has come in now a club of Charlton's size in normal circumstances would be able to spend a little bit more than, than than what you're allowed to. And a club like Sunderland, a club like Ipswich, a club like Peterborough, and, and I'll say a club like Doncaster, who, who, who look to have done some some good business as well. Mm, they've, yeah. they've done a fair bit before that wage caps come in. So they start from a higher base in terms of the quality of player that they were able to attract to their club. So I think... Lee Bay, uh since I mean since the embargo's been lifted, he's signed nine players in about a week. You know, it's, it's incredible. He's he's done really well. Some some of which we're really excited, and some of them are. And I'm sure every club says this, but a, a typical Cholton player, especially when like we were under Kerbishley, you know, back in our formative years watching the club, like mm. he, he he would love to buy a player who's like a, a character, a project to work on, someone. Someone who's hungry to go and prove themselves. We've bought in a few like that. I think you know we've got this defender from uh, from Palace called Ryan Innes, twenty five yeah. year old. He's been on loan ten times from Palace and only ever played from twice. So quite far on his in his career to still be at a club where he wasn't playing. But he's come in, and his first two two games he's been really impressive. Had a goal uh, ruled out for offside last night, which was unlucky. But um, he's he's the sort of player that actually gives me hope that. If we if we get a bit of luck with injuries, then I honestly think that Boya will give us a chance of reaching the playoffs. You know, I'm not saying top two because I don't think that's going to be. I think we're too far behind, and I don't think we've got the squads quite that other teams have. But I think with what we've seen from Lee Boya, the sort of player he's brought in, bit of luck with injuries. Um, you know, hopefully gelling soon. I mean, the, the good thing about our last three games is three clean sheets. So whereas we haven't looked that dangerous going forward because we've scored twice in you know, scored a goal in two of those games. We've actually got seven points purely based on the fact that we haven't conceded a goal. Um, yeah. We've shown flashes of what we can do. We've got this young lad on loan from Chelsea, uh, Ian Martson, left back, who came on half-time yesterday. 
um, and putting across. He looks like the sort of player who could be one of those sort of like rough diamonds that that, that we pick up who, who needs to go and prove themselves. So I after the last couple of games, if we can keep as solid as we have been at the back recently, I, I think we can push for those playoffs. I think there'll be a lot of fans out there who the second Thomas came in expected us to win the league by 10 points who probably aren't being realistic. But I'm getting carried away now because we've won two in a row and I think we can get in the playoffs. Okay, I think that's fair. What we've always done um, previously when we were just doing one show a week and we'd we'd basically give about 10 minutes at the end of our weekly pod over to looking towards the next game is that I'd normally turn to Danny uh, here and say, right, Danny, um, tell me about the opposition. Who are the standout players and and, and things like that? Now, Danny is still the person that I go to to ask for things like this. And it's all those players that you've mentioned, Louis, are all written down on a nice little sheet that Danny has conjured up for me this afternoon. Um, That's good. But one name stands out for me out of all of those summer transfer players that you've had come in. Um, Marcus Madison is coming from, Mm. well, unattached, but essentially he was with Borough Posh last year. Um, There were rumours that there was something wrong with um, Marcus Madison's attitude or something between them and Peterborough last season, which is the reason why that they've let him go. Any sign of that with you guys since he's joined you? Not yet, but he's, he's been he's been he's like been that. very quiet. He's been he's he's been very quiet so far. To be fair, I think you know he's come in. Um, uh, he actually went to Hull towards the end of last season, but I think he played. I don't think he played at all after after the return from lockdown. He only played about four games. So mm. I, I I I think. There's, you know, like I said, there's always been rumours about about his um, about his conduct. But, you know, that's the same about Ryan Innes. He bottled someone once in a nightclub, but I didn't even bring that mm. up because he's played well so far. But um, <laughs> um, um, we haven't seen, yeah, we, we, we haven't seen anything like that yet. Um, leave, uh, he, I, looking at, there, there was an Instagram post he put up, funny enough, a couple of days before he signed for us. It showed that he'd, he'd been struggling you know, he'd had a hard time of it, you know, not playing at the time, not having a club, you know, mm. personal life issues. And I, th- I think he'd lost a, a, pet, a pet dog as well or something. So, he, you know, he shows that, you know, he's, he's a human like the rest of us. Um, I am I know, I, I think he had a bit of a reputation for, you know, going out after a game or something. But, you know, just because he put that on Snapchat, it doesn't mean that every other footballer doesn't go out on a Saturday night. I mean, I, I yeah. mean, some, sometimes these things can get blown out of proportion. And the thing is, the quality that he has the potential to bring to our side, I think, will outweigh that. And I also think, like I say, Boya should know how to manage someone like that because he's been like that himself, hasn't he? You know, and um, that he 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 didn't exactly have the cleanest bill of uh, of behaviour when it when he was a youngster. But mm. you know he 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 he's been there and he's done that and he'll be able to impart his wisdom on on a player who perhaps might be tempted to go off the rails a little bit themselves. So you know I I'm actually excited to see what he can bring to us. I, I'm I'm not sure if he's going to be fit for Saturday. That's the only the only sad thing um, because uh, he he picked up an ankle knock which ruled him out last night. He wasn't fit anyway. He'd like I say no no preseason. But so it's a shame. Unfortunately, we might not see him Saturday. But um, such a shame. I was just looking through the looking through the transfers in as well. There's about three players on that list that I can see already that 
were linked to us in some form or another over the summer. So that's why we know what happens to them now. <laughs> Bigger club comes in for them. And, uh, we've probably which missed ones? out on which them. Ones? There's, there's at least two or three. Well, Madison, somebody mentioned for us. I don't think that was ever realistic. Um, uh, Bogle, I think I saw mentioned, Omar Bogle, um, <laughs> forward. And um, Innes was definitely one that's strongly linked um, quite yeah. late on in the, in the window. So, um, yeah. obviously, is uh, He lost out, I mean, he you lost can, out you to can... Charlton's massive, massive spending power. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think it's more like the, the size of the club and I think this problem we have in this division where we're, where we're coming up from a league where we're a reason, reasonably big fish. We're coming into a league where there's some huge names and it's, it's difficult to compete for players. It's quite weird how... Um... How other clubs perceive Charlton? Because when we're in the championship, I felt like a small club again. So mm. it's, it, I find it interesting that that that, um, that we're perceived that way. But at the same time, you know, uh, and don't take this the wrong way. It sort of it sort of um, shows how the wage cap has helped to even things up a little bit. Because in in normal world, especially with a new owner, I'd expect Charlton to outbid Northampton every day of the week. But it yeah. just shows that now now we're sort of shopping in the same areas. That's why. For a lot of clubs, I think the, the league, the league one wage cap is is a good idea, and it should even it up. But you know, you you tell you you, you go and tell Thomas Sangard, our new owner, when we're getting eighteen thousand people in in League One, that we can only spend the same amount of people, uh, same amount as money as as a team who get a lot fewer now. I'm not going to guess your attendance because I could really offend you. <laughs> <laughs> just, just so much you, get like, with it. you get like yeah. five people, you get five or six people to a game. Like it's like, it's not the same, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, let's turn our attention to this week um, and, and this game very quickly. So um, we'll get to some predictions uh, in a minute, but before we get there, What's your expectation, Louis, for this game? Obviously, for us, it's one of those games where it appears on the the, the fixture list, and you go, "Oh, that's 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 one of those bigger teams that's coming." Um, it'll be, you know, if we were allowed in, it'd be a full house. It would be a really good um, game, hopefully. But at the end of the day, are we realistic in saying, "Right, well, no one's going to turn around and go, right, we're going to win four 0 for example, what what's your sort of feeling? What's your expectation yeah. for a game against Northampton? Like, like, like I said earlier, we, we haven't really hit our stride going forward at all. So I, I'm expecting quite quite a tight game. You know, we're defending well at the moment. Um, you know, obviously you guys will be, uh, you know, please please not to have conceded six or seven against Swindon, but and you'll be on <laughs> on a bit of a high after after that win. Um, so you know, I. I I think it'll be a tight one. Um, we, we've got a striker at the moment, Chuksanike, who is looking really, really sharp. You know, he's come back from COVID, and it's like one of the few people who's made him better. Um, and like he's looking, he's looking really good at the moment. He scored scored last night, um, and he's got form against scoring against us as well. When yeah, he it's played the ex- Dante, yeah. he always used yeah. to score against us when he played for yeah. MK. So, yeah. yeah, that's the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to Saturday. I'm like, so I'm, I'm, because I'm working. I'm one of the lucky few who get to go, and I'm. It's it's so crap without fans, but at the same time, yeah, I'll go. I'll say I'll go into it slightly expectant to to get three points, but only just like a one nil or a two one. Okay, fair enough. Right. Well, we'll do predictions then, just to round it up. Um, I I'm going personally for a two all draw. I think. Cobblers will go 2 0 up and, as per usual, <laughs> throw away two goalies uh, and it will finish 2 all. Um, Danny, what about you? 
Um, I thought a draw's optimistic. I think Ooh. in this one, <laughs> um, but I don't like predicting defeats. But I feel like it's going to be one. <laughs> I'm going to go three-one uh, Charlton. I think I, I can't. I, oh, it's, you don't yeah, like predicting defeats, but you're going to. No, go but I just can't see. I, 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 I can't. <laughs> I, I feel like we're going to like Keith's going to have them. A, like they're going to be feeling a bit. Uh, comfortable, a bit too comfortable, and uh, I, just, I just, I'm looking through that Charlton squad. And I'm just thinking there's so much quality in there. There's that um, it's, it's like when we played Hull and I looked through their team. I was like, this is going to take something to to beat them, and we ended up getting comfortably beaten. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going three one. I think we'll get um, they'll go two up. We'll get one back, but then they'll catch us on the break for a third. Okay, great. That's uh, that's made me feel great about this weekend. Sorry. Thanks, Danny. Uh, <laughs> Louis, go on then. Uh, you're the Charlton fan. Uh, how many are you going to win by? Yeah, well, like I say, I, I, I think it will be like a tight 1-0 or a 2-1, unless, obviously, we get Richie Wellens in by the weekend, then, then I'm looking 6 <laughs> or 7. Thank you very much for joining us, Louis. You can catch Louis' podcast, Charlton Live, uh, everywhere that you get podcasts. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have you back uh, at some point in the future, as long as COVID doesn't interrupt and we only manage to stay up on PPG. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. <laughs> Leave us a review. That'll be fab. And we'll be back on Tuesday with our review of this massive Charlton loss that Danny's just predicted. Cheers, guys. See ya. Bye. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.